Great, thank you so much. And it's so good to be here again. Uh, I think it was December that I was last here. Is that right, John, for the carol services, December? I think so. But it's great to be here again. And uh, great to be back in uh, High Wycombe. And some of you might know I, I started uh, ordained ministry life here at a parish up the road in Hazelmere, up, up the hill. And uh, I pray regularly for places that I've lived, like churches that I work for. And I pray regularly for this town and, in fact, for the church where I was a curate and, indeed, for this church as well. So it's fantastic to be uh, here today. Uh, Just as I speak, let's just pray together. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, uh, Lord, uh, that you speak to us through your word, the scriptures. We thank you that your word, the scripture, speaks to us of your word, Jesus Christ, the Son. And uh, we submit to both uh, your word written and your word incarnate. And uh, Jesus, we worship you today. Fill us with your spirit as we listen. Empower us, we pray, that we might do your bidding and uh, see more and more your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives through this church. Uh, We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Great. And so the title of today, uh, I'm speaking, uh, speaking about today, is The Rhythm of Reaching Out. And if we look up a dictionary definition of that word rhythm, um, it's defined like this. It says, a rhythm is a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement. And, and as I saw that, that's the first definition that pops up t- to do with this word that's obviously used mostly in a, a non-spiritual, non-theological context. But I thought that really is applicable for what we're talking about here. Healthy churches, I really believe this, uh, are churches that don't just... Uh, do a mission, but they're on mission. And uh, sometimes, as, uh, as an evangelist, what I get is churches asking me to come and really provide like a magic bullet, you know, in terms of they might say, come and preach for our carol service, that's a, that's a particular one, and, you know, we'll hopefully see lots of people profess faith and give their lives in, to Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's a week of mission, and so I might go to a church and do a week of mission activities. And one of the things that I say when I sit down with the vicar or the church elders or whoever it might be, uh, I sometimes say that, look, this is is great. It's great to do this. um, But actually, it's only going to bear any fruit, any lasting fruit, if this is simply a a focal point for that which is ongoing and part of the warp and weave of the life of the church. And this is why it's a privilege to come to, to this church, to King's Church, uh, because I know very much that that's the case here. Uh, that you don't, uh, your carol services that you had, that I had the privilege of, of speaking at, that was simply uh, an expression of the missional stuff, the reaching out, uh, which is what mission is. Mission from the Latin mission minimus means act of sending. We are the sent people of God. And it, uh, your carol services and your kind of invitation services that you might have occasionally, uh, they, these are simply focal points to do with. Um, uh, a life of mission. So, so that's the thing. We're not. We don't just do a mission. Uh, we're on a mission, uh, and uh, and uh, we're led by our God, who is the missional God, and we get to join in. We get to join in. We don't have to, but we get to, and that's the thing. You know, so often people think, "Oh, we've got to do this. We have to do it." And sometimes evangelism has been taught like that. The the guy at the front has been, you know, witness, you know, whipping the congregation, evangelize. You know, and, and all it does is produce guilt. And uh, that's counterproductive. It's not going to work in the, in the long term. It doesn't work in the long term. God's on a mission, and we get to join in. We don't have to, but we get to. Uh, 
And it's fun. And uh, it was great hearing that story before um, that's been happening about the carnival and witnessing and the school of ministry and, and that kind of thing. And it was Jonathan, wasn't it, who, who got healed, who people were practicing on. Did you see the joy as they were, as they were sharing? Uh, there was joy. There was joy because when God shows up, when the kingdom breaks in, there's joy in the house. And so we don't have to uh, do mission, but we get to do mission. And healthy churches are churches that embrace reaching out as a rhythm. And that's why we're thinking about the rhythm of reaching out. And uh, I know um, that's John's desire for the church here and the eldership, their desire for the church here, that mission reaching out uh, is a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement, which is the definition. And that's, that's what we're aiming for, uh, for here. And um, I know that as a church you use bless, because I was part of the series, I think I did two, uh, two in the series when that happened last year, and all of you are aware of um, BLESS, this acronym we use to speak about how we try and create a culture of evangelism and, and, uh, and mission. And leadership extra, the, 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 word, the, the reason this word culture is significant is that leadership experts uh, they talk about strategy. Strategy is having an intentional um, objective of doing things to implement a given goal. So we might have a strategy. We do this, 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 and this. So strategy is good. But culture is where something is embedded so much in the life of an organization. It almost just happens innately because you don't need to make a culture happen. A culture, it, it's innate. It's, it's part of the DNA of uh, an organisation. And what leadership experts say, and I find this very helpful and it's patently true, is that culture eats strategy for breakfast. I don't know whether you heard of that one. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. So you can strategize all you like, and I, re- I recommend you do. It's good to strategize, but strategy won't do it. But culture eats strategy for breakfast. So actually, what we want to do is not just have an evangelistic strategy... We want to create an evangelistic culture because then we will innately reach out. We will innately witness. We will innately pray, all the, all the, all the different components. Uh, and so we're thinking about creating a culture in this church. That's what we're moving towards. And one of the things that you use, something very helpful, which is this bless. Uh, that's like a strategy, if you like. It's a bless is a strategy. It's not, it's not rules. It's kind of principles. To tr- principles that if we implement these principles... The idea is that we create an intentional, evangelistic, missional culture within the life of the church. And uh, the, the, you know, because actually it's, it's, it's embedded within your life, you know what that acronym BLESS stands for. So give me a B, it stands for... Begin with prayer. Give me an L, it stands for... Yeah, yeah. Give me an E, that stands for... Eat. Yeah, that's right. Give me an S, number one, that stands for... So give me an S number two, that stands for share. So we, uh, last time when we did the series, I think we talked about bless us, so we, we did two S's, so I came to do the t- two of the share ones uh, we had. Anyway, I want to, uh, feeding in to this rhythm that we're trying to create, the idea of me being here today is to speak uh, in such a way, again, that we revisit old stuff, but actually hopefully with new stories, some new, new, perhaps some new Bible verses, maybe some new application to do with the Bible verses, that encourage us to keep on keeping on. So I'm not here today to introduce a new thing, but to really, really to encourage us to keep on keeping on uh, doing the old thing, which already is bearing fruit. 
and will bear fruit more and more as it gets embedded as a culture within our lives as individuals, but within your life as a church um, as well. So bless, wonderful word, isn't it? We, we, bless literally means to, um, well, well, when we are blessed, that word, the beatitude is about being blessed. Remember, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in heart, blessed are. So what is blessed? Blessed is to be full of peace, it's to be full of joy, and the connotation is a kind, it means in a kind of otherworldly sense, in a heavenly sense. And that's why the Beatitudes of the Kingdom Manifesto. So we want to bless people. And uh, the greatest blessing that a person can have is to come to know the Lord Jesus, come to know their creator through the Lord Jesus. So we want to be a blessing to the world. That's the, that's the whole idea. So the first thing anyway of the blessing is uh, B, we begin with prayer. And so uh, B is begin with prayer. So the enterprise of prayer is completely foundational to mission. God is the great evangelist and uh, we get to join in. I've already said that. And so actually prayer connects us to our missional God and prayer empowers us to be a missional people. So prayer, it's not an option, it's completely imperative. That's something that I've had to learn as an evangelist because as an evangelist, I'm an extrovert like lots of evangelists. Uh, I'm a consummate activist like lots of evangelists. Uh, I don't stop and stay still very often for lots of evangelists. And I need to learn, I've learned to do this. I've learned to do this, to pray um, because um, I I realise that the effectivity of my ministry um, it's based on my connectivity to God, but also my, I want to be closely connected to God because he's my dad. He's my heavenly dad. I'm his son by adoption. And it's from that place of intimacy with him that fruitfulness comes. So prayer is absolutely key when it comes to mission, when it comes to uh, creating a culture of evangelism. So we need to begin with prayer. And I suggest we don't just begin with prayer, but guess what? We end with prayer and we pray in the middle. As well, prayer should saturate all our efforts. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the church in Rome, chapter 10, verse 1. He said, Brothers, sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them, and he's talking about the people of Israel who don't yet know Jesus as Messiah, my, my, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. So Paul's prayer is that his fellow Israelites who don't know Jesus might be saved, that they might be rescued, that they might might come to know God. It's interesting that he he connects my heart's desire and my prayer to God uh, for the Jewish people is that they might be saved. And I remember years ago I had a mentor called John Stott. He's been with the Lord in heaven now for 12 years. And he said to me, Greg, he said, when you pray for things or people, God gives you a heart for those things or people. And that's true. I mentioned already how I pray for every town that I've lived in. I pray fairly regularly for High Wycombe, for revival in this town. I pray for your church because I know that you are one of the churches that, that is doing the stuff or seeking to do the stuff in this town. So guess what? I have a heart uh, for High Wycombe because I pray for High Wycombe. So uh, if you've not got a heart for, uh, for something, pray. Pray for them or pray for, for, the, for the town or the person. And God, I believe, will give you a heart just as Paul connects those two things 
to gather here. It's wonderful that uh, you're halfway through, I think, this, this 40 days of prayer and fasting. And fasting, of course, is connected with prayer. It really un- unleashes the power of God. And, uh, and so I'd encourage you to, as, as John already has, to keep on keeping on uh, this rhythm that you're seeking to do, this rather intense rhythm for 40 days of prayer and fasting. I remember a few years ago, I was leading an alpha course in Feltham Prison. You know, Feltham is the big young offenders institution down near Heathrow Airport. It, it is, in fact, the, the largest young offenders institution in Europe. And I was there leading an alpha course. And as you know, the alpha course... Uh, has different weeks and different topics. One is on uh, Jesus, another one is on prayer, uh, another one is on the church. Anyway, there was a particular week that I was speaking, and I remember when I, when I spoke, I, I finished the talk, and what I said is to, to any of the young offenders, if any of you want to come forward for prayer, then do so. We offered prayer ministry, we offered prayer at the end of each week. But, you know, one of the things I said to them is, uh, if you want prayer, come forward. But if, if you don't want prayer or don't want anyone to speak to you, just stay in your chair. And the reason I said that is it was important to create a safe space. You know, they, they felt that somebody wouldn't come and Bible bash them and pray, pray for them. So, so if, you, if you didn't want anyone to hassle you, just stay where you are. But if you want someone to pray for you, come forward. Anyway, this particular week, I'd done a talk in the Young Offenders Institution and uh, I think there were one or two people who came forward for prayer. But there was a young guy who was 19 or 20 who was a few rows back um, from where I was on my left, left-hand side, a little bit where ne- Neil is sat now. And this young guy was in floods of tears, but he didn't come forward. Now, everything within me wanted to go and say, hey, what's your name? What's happening? You know, but but if I, cre- I, I made the rules, so you know, I can't break the rules. And so I basically left him there because I, you know, he didn't come forward. But this kid, kid was, was, was crying away, so just ignored it. Anyway, the week, the week... Oh, by the way, that particular week, I should say, it's important. This, that particular week, I was speaking on prayer. That was the theme. And as part of the theme, I showed a video. I showed a video which was to do with God working in a particular part of the world. And the video that I showed was... Um, to do with a situation in Colombia, the South American nation of Colombia, and it was to do with the city of Cali. And Cali uh, had, uh, still does to a little, to a certain extent, had a real drug problem. And what this video showed is that the pastors had seen great breakthrough after they all came together to pray and to fast. So the pastors decided to work together, the different churches in Cali, Colombia, and um, it, what, what, what this video showed is that the prayer meetings had grown so big that they had borrowed the stadium, the football stadium, and they had whole nights of prayer in the football stadium at Cali and, um, to pray and to fast. They fasted and they prayed all through the night. And what they saw is breakthrough. They, they, they saw the crime rate go down. Some of the drug barons got rounded up and arrested for the first time and put into prison, and people became Christians. So, so, so fruitfulness came. But what the video said is that what prompted the pastors to get together was an unfortunate happening where one of the pastors was killed by one of the drug barons. One of the, one of the pastors was, was, was killed, shot, shot dead by one of the drug warlords in the town. And the pastors, who hitherto didn't really mix together, sometimes Christians don't, um, churches, denominations don't, they all came together 
um, and they put aside their differences caused by, by, sadly, this tragedy of this pastor dying. And that they had a prayer meeting that grew and grew and grew. And as the prayer ma- meeting grew, they saw things happen, um, positive things happen, even things such as, as I say, the drug, the, the crime rate going down. And the civic authorities of Carly Columbia that were nominal Catholic, the civic authorities, they were so impressed by this is that they gave the football stadium for free. Uh, because normally you'd have to hire thousands of pounds to hire the football stadium. But they actually thought, well, gosh, this, this, these pray- we don't get it, but these praying pastors and, and, their, and their people, of course, it's, it's make a difference to so have the football stadium for free. Anyway, that was the video that I played on the, on the day when the young man was crying a few rows back but didn't come forward. Let's go forward seven days. Seven days later, I was doing whatever the next Alpha Talk is. And at the end of the Alpha Talk, I said, anyone come forward to pray. That young man came forward. He didn't the previous week, but he came forward. I said, hey, I saw you last week. And, he, and uh, what's your name? He said, uh, uh, he said, my name is Carlos, which is Spanish for Charles. And I said, um, you know, how, how can I help? Do you want pr- pray? And he said, well, yeah, I do. He said, but um, I wanted to tell you what, what happened last week. I said, yeah, yeah, tell, tell me. And he said, I'm, I'm from the city of Cali in Colombia. And he said, I'm in the Young Offenders Institution because I was done for smuggling drugs into, in, into, into England. So he was a drug runner, bringing drugs, smuggling drugs into London at Heathrow Airport. And he got arrested. They found the drugs. They put him in the Young Offenders Institution. So he said, I, I, I was a, you know, a drug runner. That's, that was my trade. And he said, when you played that video the other week, I was watching away, and there was a bit where it showed um, about the pastor being killed. And when the pastor being killed, I had this, I don't know how to describe it. He said, it was like a vision in front of me. And it was as if... Um, I, I had put the gun to the pastor's head and I'd killed the pastor. And he didn't. He didn't kill the pastor. But he said, as if I did. And he said, that's why I was crying. He said, I was overcome. He said, I was crying as if it was... Partly what I did, what I'm involved with, caused this pastor to die, even though he didn't have anything to do with the pastor dying directly. And he said, I couldn't get it out of my head. And he said, right. so I went back to my cell after last week's Alpha course. And he, and he said, and I, I, I couldn't get it out of my head. I tried to get to sleep. I couldn't get it out of my, my head. And so in the end, he said, I prayed. And I said, God, he said, I turn to you. I give my life to you. And he said that this tremendous sense of peace filled me. Uh, he said, Carlos had become a Christian. I didn't need to do anything. He'd already, he'd, already, he'd already given his life to Christ. Now, why do I share this? Because was it my amazing preaching or the Alpha Course that brought Carlos to Christ? I don't think so. I think, and they don't know this. Maybe I should write to them and tell them. I think the prayers of those Christians... 5,000 miles away in that football stadium affected the salvation of that young man, one of their own in Feltham Young, young Offenders, Offenders Institution. Prayer works. We need to work at prayer. Prayer works. Work, um, work at prayer. So that's the first of our things. The second one is uh, listen. Uh, listen. Now, so often Christians are, have applied this to listening to God. And, of course, we do listen to God primarily don't we? But that doesn't mean we don't listen to people. Some Christians think, you know, we listen to God. Of course we do. But, you know, we don't listen to... No, no, we listen to God first and foremost, primarily, but we listen to people as well. So John Stott, I mentioned him already, he was a mentor of mine. He used to talk about double listening in one of his books. And what did John Stott mean about double listening? Well, he meant just that, that we primarily, first and foremost, listen to God, but we also listen to people as well. Do you know it was a few years ago that um, it was a, a, a few years ago that the World Council of Churchill uh, sorry, the World Council of Churches sorry, my slip, the World Council of Churches 
they released a document on mission. And in that document on mission, it said this, let the world set the agenda. Now, when the World Council of Churches released this document, they got criticised for it and they thought, no, of course not. Let the world set the agenda. That's the problem, isn't it? The problem is the world setting the agenda. The, um, no, 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 the, the Bible needs to set the agenda. But actually, I think the World Council of Churches were partly right because when it comes to theology, God sets the agenda. So we don't let the world set the agenda in terms of what we believe. We let God set the agenda through his revealed and infallible word, the Bible. But when it comes to mission, we need to be a little bit pragmatic. God's word doesn't change, but his world is constantly changing. So we need to be a bit pragmatic. We need to be a bit creative. We need to take risks. And so actually, and we need to listen to people. We need to listen to non-Christians to find out where they are at. In other words, we need to engage in double listening. That is why we've got one of these and two of these, perhaps in that order, we need to listen. And James says in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 9, he says this, my dear brothers, he says, and sisters, take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak, quick to listen and slow to speak. If we're going to be effective as missional Christians, as witnesses, we need perhaps to speak less sometimes and listen more. There's a time to speak, of course there is, absolutely, but we need to listen to find out where people are at. And sometimes that's not very comfortable. I went to a party a few weeks ago down in central London, and I was the only Christian at the party. The, uh, the, the, uh, the couple who were hosting the party were not Christians, her sister was over from Australia, and she wasn't a Christian. And there were two Ukrainians there, Ukrainian refugees fleeing from the war in Ukraine. One of them was living with this kind couple who had given them, uh, who, who'd given, uh, given them a home, temporary home. And one of them was a lady from across the road uh, who was there. And uh, in conversation, it turned out that I, it came out that I was a, a clergyman, and that was that was they were intrigued by that. They were kind of curious by that. But then, sadly, a newspaper report came, came up that they'd read in the newspapers, which was about a well-known minister who's under investigation for abuse. And you may have come across this story. Uh, it's been in the secular newspapers every weekend, bar three, for the past two months. And uh, it's, it's to do with a, a well-known um, minister who's an evangelist who is under investigation now for impropriety, for abusive behaviour, and it wouldn't be appropriate to comment any more on that at the moment. It's, it's still under, under investigation. But when things like that happen, it's hugely disappointing for Christians, and it's disorientating uh, for non-Christians. It's, it's, it's disappointing for Christians, of course, you know, when these things happen, when um, ministers, when any Christian, but particularly a minister, has some kind of moral failure. That's what's being alleged. But it's disorientating for non-believers, because non-believers say, well, you know, look, look at what, what the church is doing. Look at what the church is doing. And that's what happened. I had the book thrown at me that night, a few weeks ago. So what about this? What about this uh, pastor? And it's claimed that he's done this, and he's done this, and he's done this. And do you know what I did? Do you know what I said? I actually basically said nothing. I listened, and I absorbed, and I apologised. And do you know, I think that was, in that context, I think that was the right thing to do. And uh, so we need, to, uh, we need to, uh, to listen if we're going to be effective in mission. Okay, the, other, the next, next one is E, which is eat. 
We need to uh, eat. That's a good one, isn't it? We need to eat if we're going to be affected. Any hallelujahs for that? We need to eat. Not too much, obviously. I used, do you remember I used to be a bit bigger than I am now? And uh, my joke was, you know, my wife used to say, get in shape, because she's a doctor. She used to say, get in shape. And I tell her, round is a shape. That was my joke. But uh, I'm, I'm only a stone overweight now, so it doesn't quite work in the way that it does. We need to eat. But actually, what it means, eat is a type of something else here. Basically, what eat means, really, is we need to engage with people authentically. Because in the New Testament, uh, hospitality or eating with people was how you did authentic engagement. Now, that is the case still in our society, but it's not. You know, you don't have to eat to authentically engage. But that's what it means. We need to eat. We need to authentically engage and here's the, uh, by the way, when you do, you're probably going to get a bit of criticism from some Christians. I know I do. But don't worry, you're in good company. The Lord Jesus got that too. So here's Luke chapter 5, verse 29. It says, Levi, uh, he held a great banquet for Jesus. That's a party. The kingdom of heaven is like a party, says Jesus. Anyway, Levi threw a party for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law... These are the religious dudes. Um, They complained to Jesus' disciples and they said, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Shock, horror. And verse 31, Jesus said, uh, It is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I've come uh, not to call um, the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We need to authentically engage with those who are outside of the household of faith. And sometimes as Christians, uh, we're not good at that. We stay in our holy huddle. We fear, you know, what if we get um, corrupted? Well, of course, you know, we need to make sure that we, we keep ourselves holy. And part of that is being part of a good community like this. Part of that is our own disciplines of prayer and reading the scriptures. Part of that is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Of course, but that doesn't mean we don't engage with those who are outside of the household of faith. It was a joy to my ears earlier to hear when um, that testimony was given is that you were involved in the carnival, the Desborough Road Carnival the other day. And uh, carnivals are great things of celebration and joy and jubilation. And uh, often in a, in a town, various organisations are, are invited if they want to do a float for the stand. And so it's amazing that you were involved with that. Now, I went to my own town carnival yesterday. I live in a place called Whitney in the Cotswolds, 10 miles west of Oxford. Went to my own carnival and I was there in the rain with my wife watching it and my daughter Anna Trinity my younger daughter was involved in a carnival float and she went by and uh, the theme for the carnival was books and so the, 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 the hungry caterpillar I think there were two floats for the little hungry caterpillar there was one float for um, um, what's that what's that uh, Roald Dahl thing mad um, Matilda yes I mentioned it in the first it was Matilda there was a float for the Matilda Matilda book. Anyway, I turned to my wife and I said, I said, I said have the churches got involved? I said, is, is there going to be one of the church, churches doing the float? She said, I don't know. Our, I don't think our church is doing anything. And I said to her, well, I hope they are because the theme is books. I mean, wouldn't it be great to, to, you know, to, to have the Bible? You have this massive Bible. It's the world's bestseller. And you could have on, above on the top the world's bestseller. And uh, there could be people giving out booklets about Christianity and New Testaments or Gospels of John. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be fantastic. Anyway, I, w- I watched. There was the kind of Chiropodist float you know, that went by. There was one for the LGBT society that went by with all the rainbows. Then there was one uh, for the firefighters that went by. And I got to the end. and There were no 
no Christian floats. Now, isn't that, uh. now you might say, well, it's my fault. I, I live in Whitney. Why didn't I suggest it? Don't worry, I will for next year. I'll, I'll uh, suggest it for next year that we need a float on that carnival. We need to engage. We need to engage with where people are. I was at a 50th birthday party just a few weeks ago in Bristol. I was down there doing a talk for a church called Woodlands, Woody, Woody's, as it's called on the Sunday. And I used to live in Bristol, so there was a party. One of my mates was 50, had a 50th birthday party. So, and the theme for the party was Americana. So I, I went to a charity shop, bought myself a, a, a baseball cap, and I had, a, I had a, 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 a cardigan on that had the American flag on the back. And I was at this 50th birthday party with all these 50-year-olds, um, uh, getting, on, getting on down. And I remember talking at one stage to this, to this guy and his son. Uh, this guy was about 50. He was a mate of my mates, Chris. And his son came along, who was 17. Now, his son stuck out a bit. You know, imagine this 17-year-old kid at this 50-year-old birthday party. But anyway, he stuck out a little bit. So I remember talking to him and his dad. And his dad walked off at one point, and I was left talking to Max. That's his name. The 17-year-old was called Max. And I said to him, Max, I said, are you a Christian? And he said, if I am, I'm a crap one. Uh, I hope you don't mind me saying that word. It's in quotation marks. Uh, he said, if I am, I'm a crap one. He said, it turns out he wasn't really. He just, you know, he, he believed in God. And so I thought, well, what's a way in to try and share faith with Max? So I talked to him about signs and wonders, about the kingdom of God breaking. Stories like that one we heard from Jonathan getting healed today. So I did that. And he was interested in this kind of word of knowledge idea that God can give you a, a word of knowledge that you, you haven't learned. So he said, go on, get one for me. He said, he ordered, he ordered ordered one, you know, like a pizza. <laughs> Go on for me. So I was there at the party in my American gear, and, uh, and I just said, I prayed a prayer that he didn't hear that went like this, Lord, help. Uh, yes, you know, I, I recommend that little prayer, Lord, help. That was, the, that, was, that was the prayer, it was only two words. And the kindness of the Lord, he did, he didn't have to, did he? But he gave me a word of knowledge for this kid. And I said, Max, uh, I, I get a sense that you really struggle with trusting people, particularly right now, because um, you've been let down in a relationship and because of that you're struggling to trust. He said, yeah, absolutely right. He said, I've been going out with this girl for two years. She's just finished with me. And he said, and I'm struggling to trust anyone because she, this relationship, she just ended it after two years. And I said, great. And he said, ah, he said, but you could have just got that through intuition. That's what he said. So I thought, I don't know, I don't know how. I don't know how, one, I don't know how one would intuit that. But anyway, that's what he said. So then he, he raised the bar more. And he said, look, I'm doing a BTEC, you know, which is like A-levels. He said, tell me what I'm doing. And he, no, but listen, at that moment, theatre studies popped into my head. So I said theatre studies. His jaw dropped. He was doing theatre studies. He was doing theatre studies. And I ended up, I don't give a hand to the Lord, because it's the Lord, isn't it? I give a hand to the Lord. Um, but it's just, isn't that the goodness of the Lord, though? Because God doesn't, you know, God, God doesn't, you know, doesn't have to be put to the test, does he? But he loves people. You know, just as uh, our friend was saying before, more than you can think or imagine, he loves you, he's crazy about you. And he loved this kid. And, uh, and you know, because there were two then, and one was the one that, you know, theatre studies, um, about 10 minutes later, or 15 minutes later, after I'd shared enough of the gospel, it was my privilege to pray with Max, and he gave his life to Christ in tears there, in the middle, in the middle of the dad dancing. It's interesting, his dad was a bit inebriated, he wasn't. Younger people don't drink like the older ones, which is good, isn't it? So uh, anyway, so, yeah. so, uh, so uh, Max gave his life uh, to Christ. Okay, S, serve. We know that the gospel is not just proclamation, but it's demonstration. So we need to serve. God is love, and we are called to serve people. We are called to demonstrate his goodness, his kindness, and his love. We can't preach the gospel in a vacuum. You know, it can't just be, God loves you, but we don't do anything about it. That would be a lie, but in biblical terms, it would be a lie. All truth 
uh, biblically, has to be demonstrable. And so if we say that we love people, then our love for people has to be demonstrable. And by the way, that's where it ties in with people's felt needs. We need to find out where people are at. We need to find out what their needs are. That's where the listening comes in. Uh, we, don't, we don't meet their needs in a way that we think might help. We meet their needs in a way that authentically meets their needs. So here's the scripture then. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, one of my favorite verses on mission, where it says this. Jesus says, in the same way, he says, let your light shine before men and women, that they may see your good deeds and come and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So notice Jesus doesn't say, let your light shine before others, that they may hear your good sermons. Now, Jesus wasn't against preaching. He was a pretty good preacher himself, if we read the Gospels. But Jesus was clear that true faith is expressed in action, as is, and that is, is, is particularly um, shown writ large in the book of James, the epistle of James, um, isn't it? Um, but notice the connection that people may see your good deeds and come to glorify your Father in heaven. They see your goodness and then they come to glorify the Father in heaven. In other words, they come to know him. Uh, they come to give their lives to him. There are lots of ways we can serve people in tangible ways. Uh, obviously, there are concrete ways in terms of God's heart for the poor and the broken, uh, the homeless, people are involved in drug addiction. I know that you're involved with that very valuable expression of ministry in this church, and it's wonderful. But it doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be rocket science. We can do that some, simply by just expressing concern with a message or, or a text. And I'm going to do a little activation now as we come into land. And what I'd like you to do, if you have one, get, get your mobile phone out. Stuart Reed complained that I was being anti-age, I was being a bit ageist before because he doesn't possess a mobile phone. So I told him to get one. <laughs> he won't, of course, he won't. But anyway, those of you who are in the, do, do, do inhabit this century, uh, get, out, get out your phone. Now, you might not have a mobile phone. That's absolutely fine if you don't have a mobile phone. And what I'm going to invite you to do is pick... Pick somebody in your address book, and by the way, it could be a text, it could be a WhatsApp message, it could be Facebook Messenger, somebody you know who is not yet a Christian, they're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, and what I'm going to invite you to do is send them a text now, and uh, the text should say this, or words to this effect, it should say, thinking of you this morning in church, is there anything I can be praying for you? Thinking of you this morning in church is there anything I can be praying for you? So I'm picking someone. I did, I did someone in the first service. Um, now it's the second service. Here it is. Hi, Jackie. This is one of my not-yet-Christian friends. Thinking of you this morning in church. Is there anything I can be praying for you? Love, Greg. Send. There it is. I've just sent it off. And uh, I, invi- I invited people to do that in the first service. And, you know, afterwards there was a lady who came up to me and she said, I've only been part of this church for five weeks and I, I did what you suggested, and I just received a reply. And she showed, she said, look at the reply, look at the reply. And she said, this person was somebody she goes gardening with who is not a Christian. She just sent that. It doesn't have to be those exact words, but she sent those words, thinking about you in church, anything I can pray for you. And the, the lady came back, a friend came back and said, oh, there are lots of people who need prayers more than me. People often say that, by the way. Non-Christians often say, there's lots of people who need prayer more than me. But thank you so much. That's so kind. I'm really touched by you thinking about me. Could you pray that I'll have peace and maybe that I'll know God like you? Isn't that amazing? In other words, pray for my salvation. (laughs) 
You know, this, this woman, who her friend, she's just waiting to be picked, so to speak, you know, in terms of the, the, fruit, the, fr- the fruit on the t- tree. She's just waiting for someone to tell her about Jesus Christ. So, uh, uh, so ping away. If you've not done that already, ping away. Think of you this morning in church. Is there anything I can pray for you? That's a, an activation. Okay, coming into land, the final S uh, is for share. The final S is for share. This is sharing the gospel in words. We're called not to just demonstrate the gospel. We are called to share the gospel and to share the gospel in words. And we can do that through personal evangelism. And I've done a talk at this church uh, on Philip and the Ethiopian official, which was all about personal evangelism. It's online, I think, if you want to go back and listen to it. But we're thinking perhaps another way of sharing is with testimony, which is simply to tell our story. And there's a wonderful, the wonderful thing about faith story or testimony is it's kind of bulletproof. When we share the faith propositionally, people might say, oh, no, I disagree. I disagree. God is not who you think he is. God is X, Y, and Z, or I don't believe in God, or I'm an atheist. But when you share your faith in testimony, this is what Jesus has done for me. This is what Jesus is doing for me. It's bulletproof, because you're not inviting people to an argument. Um, People just listen, and they may think you're crazy or nuts or whatever, but they can't disagree with the fact that it's your story. We're called to be gossipers of the gospel, and my, the patron saint of gossipers of the gospel is the Samaritan woman. I love that story in John chapter 4. And in verse 28, it says this, then Jesus, uh, she leaves Jesus, and she leaves her water jar, and it says, the woman went back to the town, and she said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Don't know why I put on a northern accent at that point. I just did. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. A little bit of hyperbole there. I suspect Jesus didn't tell her everything she ever did, but never mind, a bit of hyperbole. Come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be this Messiah? And then we're told, verse 30, they came out of the town and they made their way towards him. And it says, verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, Jesus Christ, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. She's the patron saint of gossiping the gospel. So I invite you, in conclusion to gossip the gospel. Keep on keeping on gossiping the gospel. And uh, notice verse 30, it says, after she gossiped the gospel, verse 30, it says, they came out of the town and they made their way towards him. That's Jesus Christ. Are you living lives that are such that you're full of the goodness of God and then you're gossiping the gospel in such a way that when people hear you, they make their way towards him? make their way towards Jesus Christ. That's the power of testimony. People might not come to Jesus Christ there and then, but you're called to be a link in a chain. Are you living lives in such a way that people make their way towards him? Just one final story in conclusion. I was on a a, a cruise ship a few weeks ago uh, because my wife got a cheap deal from Malta for me and the kids uh, on on, on holiday. But she banned me. She said, you can't evangelise on holiday. And uh, so I was banned. And so we went for dinner in, on the cruise ship and we were on this round table and there were four people, two, two elderly ladies who were sisters and there was a man and his wife and then there was me and my wife. Our kids were in the, the kids' work. They do, they do kids, kids' work and um, they would do the kids' groups thing. And uh, the conversation in the first few minutes inevitably got round to the lady on my right, Josie, said to me, what do you do for a living? So I breathed in and I said, I'm a lecturer. And uh, my wife looked at me approvingly. Mm, good, oh, good. <laughs> Good, you're not a vicar. Uh, Because I am a lecturer, it's not lying. 
And, um, but then, unfortunately, the lady said to me, and what do you lecture? And I said, theology. And she said, are you a vicar? And I said, yes. Yeah. So we got, there in three, we got there in three questions. And Tammy started talking to the elderly ladies next to me. And I said to Josie, how's your cruise going? She said, terrible. I've got arthritis in my right knee. I'm in pain all the time. I'm in pain now. I can't disembark the ship. I can't get off the ship. So not much of a cruise. And I told her the story very, uh, uh, how I'd been on the streets of Lancaster doing street evangelism a few weeks before, and I prayed for this young guy called Sam, uh, who was 28 years of age, and he had really bad back pain, and he'd had it for six months, and when I prayed for him, the pain, the pain went. So I, I gave a testimony. I, sh- I just, my response to what she said was a story. And, uh, and then, uh, uh, basically, I said, would you like me to pray for you? Question, story, question. She said, yes, please. So I prayed for her, and she was instantly healed. The pain instantly went. She started moving a knee around. And she started dancing around the table. She has gone. She's gone the page. She started dancing around the table. Yes. Praise the Lord. That was good. But at this point, the two ladies sat opposite, talking to my wife. One of the old ladies raised her hand and said, pray for me. Pray for me. Like that. I carried on talking for jo- to Josie. She said it again. Pray for me. Pray for me. My wife said, pray for her. Come pray for her. So I walked around this table, prayed for her. She, the, she was touched by the Holy Spirit. Cut the long story short, both her and her sister ended up giving their lives to Christ. Then I moved round the table this side, and Josie, who'd been healed, on the back of her healing, she gave her life to Christ, as did her husband. And Josie was powerfully filled, powerfully filled. She was in tears. My wife said, come on, we've got to go. The kids, we've got to go and collect the kids. I said, OK, let's go. And as we, get, we went, my wife just said, that's extraordinary, because she's not always with me when these things happen. She said, that's extraordinary. She said, we just left them all in tears. That was like being in the Acts of the Apostles. Now, it's not always like that. I wish it was. It's not always like that. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is uh, like that. But that encounter, that Holy Ghost encounter happened because of story. Let's cherish and practice um, our stories, our stories of faith, because they're powerful in pointing people to Christ. Let's just stand together. We've run out of time now. It's 25 past. What I'm going to do is finish by praying for all of us, if that's okay. But what I say, to, what I say if, if you've been particularly um, touched by something and you want prayer ministry, come forward uh, at the end of the service. We, I don't know whether we'll have time for a final song, but even if we don't, uh, do come forward. There'll be a prayer ministry team here. If there's something particularly from today that's resonated with you, it could be uh, to do with a, a reactivation of your prayer life. Uh, it could be uh, to do that you feel a particular heart to serve the poor and the broken and the marginalised and maybe... Uh, you need to have wisdom to know when the point is to speak uh, when you're demonstrating the good news. Uh, it could be um, that uh, you just would, would like a prayer for boldness, greater boldness, that you might be more courageous in sharing your story, um, in sharing the good news through personal evangelism or indeed sharing your story, any of those things. But let's just pray now for everyone. So, Father, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you, Lord, uh, that we've been able to hear faith stories even, even today. Thank you for that one with uh, Josie who, who gave her life to Jesus and the whole table ended up coming to Christ just a few weeks ago on the Mediterranean. Thank you, Lord, for that one to do with Max, the 17-year-old boy at the party who was audacious and cheeky and wanted to have prophetic words, but you gave him those words and he ended up giving his life to Christ. And thank you for Carlos, Lord, that uh, we pray for him, Lord, wherever, wherever he is now. That was years ago now that that happened. But how wonderful that that young man was convicted of his sin in such a supernatural way and gave his life to Christ even without any proper human agency I guess it was partly but in his cell on his own as he gave his life to you he called on your name God because you arrested him in that particular way and 
Lord, you did so, no doubt, in my mind, because of the prayers of the saints in his hometown, praying and fasting through the night. So encourage all of us here, Lord, those of us who are praying, uh, particularly in an in intense way during these 40 days, any of us who are fasting, uh, any of us who are fasting, Lord, may we take encouragement from that amazing story to do uh, with Carlos from Carly, that prayer works and therefore we work at prayer, even when it's difficult, even when it's a discipline. So Father, thank you for these amazing tools that you've given us of prayer, of listening, of eating and connecting, of serving and of sharing our story. And Lord, embed those things in us, we pray, in our DNA, uh, as your people, the church here in High Wycombe, as individuals, followers of Jesus Christ. May it be part of the warp and weave of our culture here, uh, Lord, that it just happens naturally, because we know that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And when it happens naturally, more and more, we're going to see your kingdom come, your will be done in us, through us, uh, we pray. And we ask, it, ask these things, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen.